<laughs> Welcome to Burning Hell. What's up? I am jet setting the world right now. I am in Munster, Indiana. And guess what? It's a family episode. You are getting the burners. We're having my mom on. Then I'm going to have new mom Jeannie come through. And then the first ever sighting of my brother. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> I was like, Daniel, you want to come on? And he was like, okay. So we'll see. I kind of want to ask him some man on the street questions and see how he holds up. I am currently in Indiana this weekend. I'm going to be in Grand Rapids. And then I have Minneapolis. Then Nashville, Alabama, HannahBurn.com. You guys know what's going on. Look at me with the admin. I'm feeling good. I just had a nap. And I'm with my mom, who's been traveling with me on my Midwest tour. How's it been? We're surviving on the road. Just two road dogs. Road dogs. <laughs> road dogs. Hashtag road dogs. I was, uh, you know, this was my test for mm-hmm. how I can handle the momager job. And um, I don't know. How'd I do? Chris Jenner doesn't have shit on you. I'll ah! tell you that right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're just destroying hotel rooms, leaving. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just me destroying bathrooms because we had too much cheese in Wisconsin. But it was... Let's face it, I'm really just your chauffeur. Your mom, you're my chauffeur, you're my emotional support system. You wake me up when I nap. We had fun in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. Madison. You guys, I got to see my old school. And it, it is so crazy fun. how beautiful your campus looks when you're not crying. Um, I had like I was obviously playing tennis. So I had all these workouts and all this pressure. And to go back and just see the school for what it is, which is these beautiful lakes, State Street, amazing food, nice people, these sweet kids just walking to school. You see how so much is what you do in your own head. Mm. It's not about where you are. It's how you think about it. It was so fun to be there again. We hadn't been there since 2015 when Daniel graduated. Yes. And they don't shy on the food at all. Uh, I mean, the best <coughs> burgers, cheese curds, um, <laughs> Bloody Marys through the fucking roof. I'm like, why is there a full cow in my Bloody Mary? <coughs> so, but yeah, mom, you you had fun. You had oh, it a was bunch of burgers. So much fun. We ate our weight in burgers and cheese curds and you guys have been requesting my mom to come back because she's an insightful badass bitch and she knows more than me so i figured if i'm gonna give some advice let's bring my mom on so i think we get right to it are you ready okay let's just start with it spicy when is it green flags to get back with an ex (laughs) you've never dabbled with an ex i've never my mom is like once we're done, we're done. Well, yeah, whatever it was that made you break up with that person, like, I mean, unless changes have been made, that that same feeling is going to come back to you, I think. I think I've never gone back to an ex because I do kind of like change where some people enjoy comfort over change more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you might be comfortable, but trust your gut. I always say, remember the feeling when he made you feel worse because your memory, like think of horrible things that happened to you you'll have weird times where you like miss it. And because you have rose colored glasses with the past, you have to really find those painful moments and fucking think about it and remember it because your mind's playing tricks on you. Also, if he broke up with you and now he wants to get back together, deep down, you're always going to remember that like at one point he didn't want to be with you. 
and like you don't fucking deserve that yeah is that too is that too harsh no i i i just think like There's whatever so many whatever men in the sea guys yeah whatever your gut was it's it's probably still true mm-hmm. how did you raise Ooh, how did you raise a confident daughter Coming from a mom of three young daughters. Someone someone also wrote right below, how do I become more confident and not be a sad potato? I'll tell you about how I feel like I am confident. And then you could kind of speak on how to raise a confident girl slash yourself. Because you're a very, very confident person in a very um, humble way, I would mm. say. I'm confident because there's no one else in the world like me. And I'm saying that because you should feel the exact same way. If you're trying to fit yourself into a mold or be like other people, you'll always be comparing yourself. Even when it comes to like dating, there's no one who looks just like me. There's no one who has my energy. There's no one who has wh- what whatever I have. So it's like there'll be someone out there who wants exactly what you are if you stay authentic to yourself. And you get that X factor when you're not just trying to act like what you think someone would like or what a confident girl would be like. Be comfortable in your skin as in just like, I mean, that's a fucking loaded thing to say. Yeah. Be comfortable in your skin. Yeah. But it's Hard. like you find you have to be kind to yourself to be comfortable in your skin. I think people can tell when you've been kind to yourself versus if you're mad at yourself or disgusted by yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think people have different strategies to kind of self-soothe when they're feeling insecure. Mm. I mean, I'm, for me, I think I always felt like if I went to school for something like that would boost my confidence. It's like, Oh, I'm educated in this thing. And I, I have a master's in this thing. So I, you know, I'm like trying to convince myself, Oh, I'm qualified to do what, whatever this job is or something. That's what, you know, would give me confidence in some of my career things, but that's not necessarily like what gives you confidence. I mean, like my new career is something that I don't have that in and so mm-hmm. I've had a lot of like imposter syndrome with singing mm-hmm. but like the more I perform the you know I, I joke with my musician friends like oh I'm self-taught you know because a lot of them went to great schools to become musicians and but the more I do it and the more like musicians tell me that I'm good mm-hmm. it makes me feel and you're more uniquely you on stage I do think that confidence like can get skewed when you think you know what other people think of you yeah and first it's being like not that many people are thinking that much of you as in like they're worried about their own shit yeah like looking around and being like everyone's insecure about their stuff yeah. so <laughs> so own your shit as just what makes you uniquely you like even with guys i was never confident that i was like the prettiest girl under any means i just thought like i'm different like i'm like i'm weird not weird but i'm like i'm uniquely uh. me and if they like that they're yeah. not going to get it anywhere else and i'm trying to like get away from like um compliments like people saying oh you're good or oh you know you're you're getting so good with each year and like and i i'm trying to like not let those comments affect me good or bad because you know i just keep saying well you know if the venue keeps hiring me back i guess that's all the assurance i need oh my god not like oh you're 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 so good or i think you're talented or like because if i just keep waiting for those comments 
Um, well, then they have too much weight. Yeah, they have too much. They have too much weight. I just have to be like, oh, I'm prepared. I've practiced these 20 songs a gazillion times. My band is good and we're ready to go and just have fun. It's so funny you said that because I think when I first started doing comedy, I would really attach on like after the show, did people come up to me and say like, that was amazing. But I'm at the point where I kind of forgot about that and I really don't care. Like if no one says anything to me after the show, like I'm I'm thinking about the next show. I'm not waiting for that assurance because then you're like nitpicking like every single thing they said. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you're giving them too much power. But sometimes people don't give you confidence because like they don't give you compliments because they just assume you know how good you are. Right, that that too. But I I have, the only way you're going to have like fun with if you're in a job where you're performing a lot is just if you just do it for yourself um, and and just not worry about what everybody's, th- if you're worried about what everyone's thinking, how can you even like get the words out? Ooh, that's powerful. I do think you are uniquely um, confident like, in your body but you're not very obsessed with your looks does that make sense like i was always raised thinking like my mom is you know so beautiful but you never talked about looks as being very important Mm -hmm. how did you get to that mindset that's funny um someone asked that question right someone asked i was looking at the questions um someone asked how to avoid passing on my own lifelong body image issues to my own daughter. Mm. Because um, it was a huge anxiety for this person who wrote to you, Hannah. Um, I, I think I learned to um, never talk about weight um, in front of you. Mm. Never talk about your, your weight um, or anybody's like body or weight, because kids will hear that. Yeah, you said something powerful to me the other day where you were like, even if you're not commenting on your kid's weight, if they hear you commenting on other people's weight, they're not stupid. Or your own. Or your own weight. They assume yeah. that you're thinking the same way about them. Don't comment on looks. Don't talk about dieting. Mm-hmm. I mean, kids are like sponges, right? So if even if, if they're not thinking about their own, but but they'll absorb the anxiety you're having about your own issues. So it's just like, just be like sensitive to that because Mm -hmm. that then the children will learn like to be anxious about like, as if you have no control over yourself. Or that it's something that people really care about. So you have to get it right. I honestly didn't care about it. I mean, maybe it was because my mother was so gorgeous. I just felt like I can't compete with that. So (laughs) I never I was just like, well, I'm not the person in the house that's good looking. You wanted to be smart. Yeah, I just wanted to go to school. And I just I I was focused on so many other things. I didn't focus on my looks at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until I didn't even ever exercise much until after I gave birth to you mm-hmm. um, and I started running because I just I it was the easiest thing to do and I genuinely enjoyed it it was like a meditation yeah and when you're a new mom and you have two little kids you got to do something quick fast and I love being outside so I would just go running for even the shortest amount of time, 20 mm-hmm. minutes. I don't even know. Hot girl jog. Yeah. Like I would. And then I got, I started to just like 
really enjoy it and get better at it. And I was running 5Ks and 10Ks just for fun. Mm -hmm. Like, and it feels like a great accomplishment, especially when you were never, like I was always athletic, but I was never like, like in love with exercise yes. per se yes. to be healthy. Yes. Um, but I remember as a kid, like you taking us on a stroller and running around and yeah. just finding those fun little outdoor activities that aren't based on like when I work out now, I do it for my mental health. Cause it, I mean, how many Instagram posts do we have to see of girls showing the photo of them, like looking their skinniest and being like, this was when I was my most miserable. Mm-hmm. And there's too many girls who were like, y- you don't know how much they're restricting to like get to this point. Yeah, no, I never, I never did it like because I had to do it. Like I did it because I wanted to do it. And honestly, I only ran on the weekends because I was always so busy working. Yeah, I didn't wake up early to work out. Never ever. Yeah. But granted, Nana and Papa have good genes, so I haven't had. You know, I'm not struggling with like a weight problem. I was mm-hmm. just doing it to just be healthy and yeah, mentally have fun. But. It's so funny how like if you have daughters, you can train their brain for like what matters. And it's I always joke about not decentering how you should decenter men from your life. But I realize like it's literally like I want my daughter to not think male attention is the most important thing yeah. in this world. Well, we never said things to you like, "Oh, you look so pretty." You or, never oh, said that. We not that you weren't not beautiful. That I didn't think I was not pretty, that you are pretty. But like, mom, I literally like to this day I don't actually know if I'm like beautiful like people comment on my photo and be like beautiful and i can't tell if they're like oh she looks good for her or if they actually think like but i also like just literally don't care it doesn't matter like i it don't just doesn't care. matter right because also beauty's in the eye of the fucking beholder there's probably people who think i'm disgusting looking and there's probably <laughs> people that like think i'm a model and I, yeah it's something i couldn't control no, and again i wasn't consciously doing these things but i did kind of dress you like a boy yeah um or I should, <laughs> I should just say i i put you in very gender neutral colors and i always put you in sneakers um because i wanted you to be functional and comfortable yes and i wanted you to run and play it's and i wasn't so- gonna put you in like you know, something that wasn't comfortable. Think of whenever you see a little girl on the street and everyone always goes, you look so pretty. And that shows them that that's the most important thing that you want to be. So I really consciously over the last couple of years, whenever I see a little girl, I'll be like, you're strong. Yeah. Yeah. You're smart. That's a cool outfit. Yeah. Cause like, what would you say to a boy? And if you're constantly just telling girls they're pretty, like there's a reason they say your first seven years, your whole like life is formed, yeah. which is kind of scary. And it's very scary. I know. But yeah, we were just always like playing games with you and just uh, not really focusing on our looks. I did try to get a boyfriend. Um, do you remember when I was in kindergarten? They called you because, oh no, I cornered a boy. I cornered that boy, James. Oh, that was on and a play I, date. And I tried to kiss him. Yeah. I was always the aggressor, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I think he cried. (laughs) Speaking of men, people want to know your first impression of you meeting Dez. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, well, the funny thing about meeting Dez was, you know, the fact that he's a public figure. It wasn't like you met some random person. Like, he was on podcasts. He was on television. Like we could easily look him up and yeah. like see who but he I was. But I really, I've dated guys in the public eye before, 
uh, like comedians where you can consume all their content and think you know them and it gives you a skewed view of who yes, they are of so i personally was like pr- not avoiding all the online i know stuff. but but when but i you were away filming and he was uh, you know doing podcasts and we were all in lockdown still and um, I just remember like hearing him talk about meeting you on a podcast and thinking, oh my gosh. But to cut to when I actually first met him, um, what could I say? He's dashing. He was, you know, great <laughs> conversationalist. Um, he obviously was like so into you and he was so sweet. He brought us that plant. <laughs> oh yeah, I picked it out. <laughs> oh my God, I remember. And he had dinner. Like he was just, I, I mean, I was so impressed by him. I, I still am. I mean, my mom, when it comes to men, we, we'd both be guilty in the early phases being like, this guy's cute. And we talk about that. But you, once you know, he's not the one you'd be like, yes. And someone asked a question around that. Um, what was the question? It was about how long. Oh yeah. Um, what would, before Jez, what was your most common advice that you would give Hannah when dating? And you're right. In the beginnings, we might be like saying, oh, my God, Hannah, he's well, you're so cute. Filling in all the blanks that you don't know of yet. You're but like, by the time perfect. you were in your mid 20s, I was like, if, if you were going out with a guy for like six months, eight months, I'd be like, Hannah, what's going on? OK, what's going on? Are you marrying this guy? No. OK, move on. Next. Oh, yeah. Next. I, would, I had this weird thing with dating where like I like to date, but I would know like I would never marry this guy because I guess early, in your early 20s, you're definitely not marrying anyone. Yeah. I mean, not that I was like trying to get you married or anything but i just felt like there were certain guys i just felt like okay this is obviously not going anywhere mm-hmm. why are we wasting time here yeah i think i would just like like the attention of a situation and i also liked knowing that i didn't care to marry them so it was like upper hand in the dating world um but I, which i think was fun like i definitely my first love i thought i was gonna marry him for a second mm-hmm. and we were all really into that but that's like your first love but yeah. then Dating in your 20s is literally just doing research. Like, date a guy from England. Date, you know, an athlete. Date a comedian. Date whoever. And then decide who is right for you. And don't go all in on these relationships. But also know when to hold them and when to fold them. And I'll fold that shit. I'll get... The second I realize, like, it's not for me, I can't fake it with them. One of your little devils asked related to that. Um, I just moved to Little Rock for a boy who can't commit. We've been together two years. Stick it out or go back Does north. You mean not get married? Well, can't commit. I mean, that can mean anything. He's I know. cheating. He's he doesn't. Uh, first of want. all, we love Little Rock. Um, yes, go we do. Pi- woo pig suey. Get out. I said, go home, girl. Get out. Yeah. I mean, if if some guy is like that honest with you and says can't commit. And you're there two years. I mean, you've been there two I mean, just get on with your life. I really have to say, you know the feeling when you meet a new friend and you're immediately obsessed with each other and it's effortless and you have a new best friend? That's how it feels with the right dude. And you don't have time to make it work or force it with these guys who are, you feel like you have to trick to like make them a good boyfriend because we don't have time for that. We don't have time. No. Um, okay, what else do we have? Ooh, oh, I love this. Advice for girls in their 20s feeling lost. Um, first of all, I would say it's normal. Your 20s are your most lost period of time. I don't know if it's like 
brain development or just college or just, you know, beginnings of careers, but just know it's normal. I think anyone looks back on their twenties and just thinks, what the heck was that? Um, I think the problem is that people put all this pressure on your twenties that like, it's the best years of your life. Wrong. It's the hottest years of your life. Wrong. It's the, um, like most exciting time, you know, Forbes 30 under 30, like, no, your 20s, you've literally just popped out of college. You don't know anything and you don't, you've never even lived on your own and people are expecting all this stuff of you. Your 20s is literally survival mode, just researching and finding out what you yeah. don't like. There's a reason why at 25, everyone starts, you know, becoming yoga teachers because I mean, they hate what they originally right, thought so, life would be. So don't be afraid to change. Um, try everything, you know, and don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, I think like with my generation, we were still kind of getting married in our 20s and, and having families. And like that didn't feel bad either because we were all, like everybody, confused about our careers. And it's like, oh, well, let's try being a mom because that looks like fun too. And mm-hmm. it always is so fulfilling mm-hmm. and you feel so accomplished. Um, you know, but then... But then I had to go through a lot of career changes in my 30s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's... I just have a random... I think te- the whole teacher situation, it's... Oh, my God. Teachers are literally building our future. But it's hilarious because there's all these, like, dramas in it. Like Oh, teaching. schools are just full of drama. Full of drama. I mean, if you can't... I mean not even talking about the kids running around with scissors, but there's all, (laughs) someone said, um, I'm a new teacher. How do I navigate a school run by mean teacher clicks? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which I I feel like is true in a lot of work situations. So I don't know if all your devils, your little devils know I was a teacher and then I was a principal for the last 14 years. You were the cult leader. Of my 26 years in the Department of Education in New York City. So, I mean, I did notice even as a principal, there being like little cliques of um, of teachers. Because it's like a sorority, especially when it's like well, mostly women. Don't you think any company has like cliques or yes, friend groups? but I think schools are uniquely like large. Yeah. And there's like floors and there's um yeah verticals I I would just say you know if you love your job and you love your students and you you know you find a lot of fulfillment in teaching you know keep it going and the good thing about schools is there's a lot of change and turnover I'm sure a friend will show up you know don't be afraid to have lunch with a random teacher you don't really know like like really make an effort to hang out with maybe the teachers that you don't normally gravitate to because um yeah, a lot of interesting people do go into teaching True. and you can find y- your friend. And, um, and I think you're right. Like you do not need a click. If you no. can find one person to have your back. Yeah. I was always more of like a yeah. one-on-one person. Yeah. I'm, not as, I'm not as good in groups. Because yeah. um, <laughs> sometimes I, like, yeah, you don't know the group dynamic. You don't know the history of the group. There's like a whole fucking hierarchy in the group. I'm like, I just want a friend. Yeah. I mean, your students are going through the same issues. <laughs> True. I mean, um, someone yeah. asked about homeschooling versus, um, you know, regular school. Mm. And I guess the pandemic taught us that staying at home is not great for kids all the time. Mm. Um, And I know there's different ways of doing homeschooling, but I think I would still opt for the socialization, although sometimes crazy and toxic, you know, I think school, going to school wins out. Okay, someone wants to know one thing they'd be surprised to know about me. (laughs) 
<gasps> coming from my own mother. Oh my gosh. You know, you know what I would say? Um, that you're actually really quiet when you're not, you know, doing your work and performing and stuff. I'm telling you, giggle, I'm telling the gigglers and the devils, mm-hmm. Hannah's actually very quiet. Like I could spend a whole day with her and she won't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless I ask her a question. You mean like, well, I feel like we love having deep conversations. Yeah. But like, yeah, like I'm not always. On. No, I think your default is actually a very like quiet person. Um, and also maybe the people don't know that you're actually great with kids. You love you love little kids. You guys, I have to announce it on the pod, and Des is gonna kill me. But like after this visit, meeting my niece Lois, I want a baby. Do you get that on Amazon? Can I get it on Amazon? <laughs> Do you hear her screaming and crying? She's screaming and crying, <laughs> and I want her. I even told Des I was like, the crying is literally so cute. It's like, wah, wah. all right, we have to hurry because I have to go help with the baby. Oh no, I actually. I'm kidding. I was just gonna say because I liked all those questions. I want to. I do feel like my motherly instincts will come. I'm navigating just as like a stand-up comedian where I want to travel and this is a time where like people are buying tickets and I'm so excited and I love my hour that I've been working on and I want to do a special and then you also have this urge to have a baby Mm. so it's finding out there's everyone's like there's no really right time and I know I'll navigate it right but we'll see what happens we're not trying for a kid but I'm definitely after this experience of meeting Lois, not as scared to have a kid. Yeah. Because I haven't dealt with a newborn like ever. Yeah. I mean, we're all terrified when it happens. But but seeing the day to day and how we've been navigating it. Like, guys, I, cha- I changed the diaper like a fucking pro. You did. You did. And I feel like children help you get out of your own head. Like, I don't want to have a child because I'm depressed, but it's like. I feel like there's more to life than just waking up and worrying about your own shit. Oh, 100%. And I don't mean to sound that in a sad way. I just feel like I do think we are meant to have families. And, you know, whether you can be pregnant or not, whether you're adopting, whether just like you need to have people around you. Speaking of parenting, I thought this was a really interesting question. Um, one of your listeners said, how to address reparenting with a parent Mm. without making them feel guilty like you're blaming them. So if you missed it, the last podcast I had with my mom, we talked a lot about reparenting, which is when you want to have bad self-talk, you realize, oh, that's from my past of how people have spoken to me. And I can actually transition and reparent myself and say you know what no I'm proud of you or it's okay that you failed or anything that you need to change in your perspective yeah and I I I think back um like we've talked about the the term reparenting so much that um I I I don't feel like you're blaming me or your dad for stuff it's just like it's almost just situational it's cultural it's like timing like if you're capable of reparenting that means that you you've done well right I feel like it's just a term for like better communication and and cycle breaking Mm -hmm. that you know you could just move forward with like I think back to things that happened to my childhood and I think like oh you know maybe the adults should have done this this and this but they just didn't know I'm not blaming them there's also some things that the adults could have let you figure it out on yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that self-soothing is a form of reparenting where it's like, it's a thin line between like trying to parent so well versus also 
knowing when to step back and let your kid figure stuff out for themselves to gain confidence in themselves to know they can self-soothe in certain problems and if you can at our age stop and reparent yourself and tell yourself what you want that you wanted to hear that you didn't hear as a kid that is fucking empowering yeah yeah and magical yeah i've been trying to do that too even at 50 eight years old we have been on a journey of reparenting together which has been super bonding and the more like whenever i learn something from my therapist i'll tell my mom and whenever you learn something you'll tell me and it has helped us grow and i do think we'll have moments where we'll be like okay this is our anxiety talking like we'll literally stop a a stressful conversation where one of us maybe is like obsessing over something and and we'll be like hey you realize that's your anxiety right so we'll step out of it where before we like talk about it for a week yeah just like i can't figure this out where now we'll be like oh, i'm that's just i'm getting really an good i'm getting really having. good at that like last night when i went to go to sleep and i couldn't shut daniel's computer down oh yeah like i was lit my brain was just like going into anxiety mode like oh my god i'm not gonna be able to sleep this light is so bright and i'm just like no 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 stop just go ask Hannah <laughs> to help you turn this off yeah. and you will have a normal And I walked in and you're like, I've tried everything. <laughs> and I'm like, we'll get to the bottom of this. <laughs> no, but the old me would have just like suffered in silence and like tried oh to go to sleep God. with a giant bright light on because I didn't want to bother Daniel or you yeah. because everyone was sleeping. The baby Meanwhile, was Meanwhile, like, I was like on my phone. You were up. So on I TikTok. Like, I was like, I'm going to solve this problem. I used Hannah. to, something would upset me. <laughs> And even though I knew I shouldn't be upset or like it was something stupid, if it got stuck in my brain, I'd have to call you and say, mom, this person said this to me or this happened to me. Am I okay? And you and I need you to say it's going to be okay. And then I'd move on. Where now I realize, oh, I don't. It's like it was like an OCD that I needed you to tell me it was going to be okay, which is not self-soothing. Now I go, oh, this is anxiety. You don't need to ask your mom. It's your anxiety because you can literally like. Things are happening that are fucked up all the time around you. Yeah. And it's literally what you decide to latch on to. And you've, you've learned to trust yourself more. And that's enormous. And that's yeah. hard, though, because trusting yourself means you have to actually take the risk to listen to yourself, to even gain confidence that you can trust your gut. Yeah. And that is something that in your early 20s you don't have. Um, True. And if you're in your 20s listening right now, which we have a lot of little devils in their 20s, what I'm saying is just be kind to yourself and figure out what brings you joy. Well, wow, this is some Brene Brown shit right now. Um, <laughs> Mom, thank you so much for coming <laughs> oh, on. Oh, you're welcome. You, it's your turn to take care of the baby. Yeah, I gotta we're go gonna rock the bring baby. on Jeannie Dillo. I'll go get her. Oh my gosh. We have Jeannie Dillo, who is my brother's wife. Yes, his wife. His He's wife. my husband. <laughs> you guys have been together since we were all in college together at University of Wisconsin. We've been together 10 years now. Holy married for shite. one. I yes. know. So you guys have always been um, the couple that my family was like, oh, thank God Daniel met someone nice. <laughs> Stability. And then I, they were just like had dinners with me while I was like crying about reality TV or crying about like losing a boyfriend or whatever the fuck we've been through it all yeah well you guys just were in a nice stable healthy relationship um (laughs) but one thing about Jeannie is she does not hold back which I've always loved about you you were I always say it's my best and worst quality (laughs) 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 right like I'm I am I'm very honest and you know straightforward but it can also be a little much sometimes some would say jarring but some would say would they (laughs) but 
you always know where you stand, how you feel, and I respect it, especially when women are taught to be such like you know caretakers all the time make sure everyone around them is okay before they're okay right why do you think you have that quality of just being like i'm assertive i know what i want and i'm not gonna i don't care if it makes some people uncomfortable around me because i have boundaries have you met my mother true (laughs) yeah so my mom (laughs) is honestly i mean she's just a wonderful amazing woman um who had her first kid at 18 my brother and then she ended up going back to college and becoming uh, a lawyer and now she's a magistrate in the courts Mm -hmm. and she really is the one who taught me to be you know speak up for what you think and believe in and you know we're sometimes a little too opinionated Mm -hmm. um or not even too opinionated but just like you don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely uh, stems from her. And both our moms have been like powerful women. So I think that's also why we maybe Daniel fell in love with you. Well, you know, everyone commented on that so much at our wedding because um, my mom was the uh, officiant. Um, and then your mom gave a speech and sang our first dance. And so everyone was like, wow, it just feels like, you know, women empowerment this wedding and oh so many God. like strong female characters. Yeah, the dads weren't invited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they even there. Um, so yeah, we have like, we have really good role models in general and our so parents funny. and their marriages. And everything. I didn't even think about that with the wedding. I just was like, obviously we're not having my, my dad would make like, stupid jokes He'd get up there and like spaz out and be like uh genie's got long arms <laughs> oh my god yeah our families we don't know what we would do if we didn't have the moms holding the backbone but congratulations you are a new mom i am a new mom she's five weeks old tomorrow oh my god and like we're so biased but she's the cutest i'm like so in love with this she baby is. and a little background on genie she was a nicu and label label labor nurse yeah sorry i was so focused on trying to pronounce NICU right because <laughs> i've been saying NICU. so yeah i did NICU in manhattan um for some time and then we moved to indiana and then i switched to labor and delivery so i have you know i had a lot of you know almost too much knowledge going into this whole pregnancy delivery baby situation and i feel like the girlies listening and the gays they might want a child in the future mm-hmm. or already have a child or not want kids at all. But it's interesting to hear what the fuck's going on with that lifestyle. Yeah. But I feel like you are so fucking knowledgeable about babies and you just had your own. So I want to do a little hot take segment with you on what do people not tell the ran- the normal woman who's pregnant about pregnancy? I honestly, there are just so many things that I obviously knew happened but when they're happening to you it's like oh my god why don't people talk more about how horrible this is yeah um I had a really rough beginning of my pregnancy like the first trimester I was really sick just like nauseous and vomiting all the time I lost a bunch of weight basically felt like I had the flu for like seven weeks and I think towards the end I started getting a little depressed because you just feel so terrible day in and day out And, you know, a lot of people don't even know that you're pregnant yet. It's kind of isolating. Well, Um, yeah, because you're not really showing. Yeah, But you feel like complete shit. And they tell you, like, oh, don't tell anyone until you get out of the first trimester. I told a lot of people, honestly. I told, like, all of our main support people because you need that support because it's so awful. And, you know, not everyone feels that way. I have friends who are like, I didn't feel a thing. And I was like, (laughs) fuck you Mm -hmm. I can curse, right? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, um, (laughs) anyways, um, yeah, so... 
that was the biggest shock to me is like I knew I would be nauseous. Oh, I thought, you know, have some crackers before I get out of bed, a little ginger ale. It was not mm-hmm. that. It was it was for real. So um, that was really hard for me at the and beginning. And it's not your fault because, I mean, an article just came out in the New York Times about how like there's been like no research on clitorises. Mm-hmm. Clitori. <laughs> so you know if you know <laughs> how to pronounce it. Is that right? <laughs> All right, yeah. But like because so much research i guess is dominated by men yeah. and like i even did a man on the street interview and guys don't know the shape of a clitoris like it was fucking crazy and i started just having this like realization that like there's not been enough research or just talk about women's bodies in general i even think like i know tampons work but i'm like is that really the best thing to come up with I know, shoving right? a cotton ball up her puss so um <laughs> maybe maybe that's our next business venture maybe so i do think with pregnancy sometimes you feel guilty because you haven't heard all these things they don't warn you enough about like or it's not like as open i feel like women have pressure to just be make everyone comfortable around them and be like i'm doing great and they like are women are so fucking strong just like like gritting their teeth yeah through it i mean it's just so many things about pregnancy that people um kind of you know uh, fantasize I don't know what the word is but they make it seem like okay you should always be so happy that you're pregnant and that yes. like everything is wonderful and you know you're just like carrying this baby and it's the best thing of your life and it is but there are things about it that are really hard like the first 12 weeks of my pregnancy I couldn't even like process or enjoy the fact that I was pregnant because I was so miserable you know and then finally when I got to my second trimester and things like just completely changed I got my energy back I started feeling like myself again and then I was really able to process like wow I'm pregnant and this is awesome but you know it's not automatically like that and it's not always like that and also your partner cannot empathize with what you're going through no (laughs) <laughs> please if men had to do this we would the population would die <laughs> like gets a sniffle and he's like oh ah. yeah so my husband daniel hannah's brother he i keep joking because i tell him like now that we've had the baby and we're lack of sleep and whatever he like can't function and he's crabby and whatever i get three hours <laughs> not even consecutively and i'm like yeah let's go yeah and i tell him he suffers from i'm a bitchitis like <laughs> severe forms so so then when you're actually in labor Mm -hmm. i was joking with Paige. i thought dilation was like the actual vagina i didn't (laughs) think it was the cervix i also (laughs) thought being in labor like this it was so funny so you were texting us and you were like i'm in labor and i was like wait is labor like you're pushing for 12 hours i'm like (laughs) so i suddenly was asking all these stupid questions and my mom was like are you okay and i'm like does anyone talk about this right so like i thought you were pushing for 12 hours no thank god i only pushed for 30 (laughs) minutes so oh yeah but like there's so many things about labor that i don't think general people know yeah so i mean for my labor it happened my water broke at home at 37 weeks. So it was mm-hmm. like three weeks, you know, before my due date. And this is actually, you know, it's like how it happens in the movies. You're walking around, and your water just like pops and breaks and it's gushing out. And this is, is not it how blood it, or water. This is it's water. Yeah. You know, it should, that's what it should be. It should be clear water looking stuff. But um, that's not how it happens for most people. That's only 5% of people. Actually, <gasps> what happens usually is you slowly start to have more and more contractions. And sometimes your water doesn't even break till you're pushing the baby out. Wow. Yeah. yeah my friend Elena said she didn't know she was in labor like all night. Yeah. Oh, your mom was telling me about <laughs> yeah. that. She just had back pain. Yes. And that is a sign of labor, which is hard because, you know, 
in pregnancy, you constantly have lower back pain. Yeah. You know, they always say, okay, that's a sign of premature labor, lower back pain. I'm like, but my back always, always hurts. hurts. <laughs> that's so, like when someone's like, are you pregnant? And you Google it and it's like, yeah, do your nipples hurt? Like, are you, or like your boobs hurt? Do you have a headache? And I'm like, all the time. Uh, every day. Like, <laughs> are you, are you stressed out? Do you have anxiety? And I'm like, yes. Um, it's like premenstrual and being pregnant are the same thing. Yeah. So then you pop out this baby. Mm-hmm. And people talk about it being, like, the most incredible moment of their life. Did you have, like, expectations? Like, were you worried, like, this has to be great or I'm going to be annoyed? So, my, honestly, my expectations were very low. I They say it's the nurse curse, right? Especially the field that you're in. Like, you know, nurses, like, everything that can go wrong does go wrong. <gasps> when you're a nurse having a baby? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. That's what they, they are say. just projecting that shit into the universe. Yep. But I was so lucky and did not have that i had a very you know uneventful labor Mm -hmm. um and i had the best epidural in the world thank god so a bad epidural means like it takes a while to get it in well that or it's just like like i was completely numb i didn't feel a thing when i was pushing are you high no no it's very it's you know it's localized to your to your body basically you get numb from like the rib cage down yeah we also were joking about how our moms had natural birth did your mom have natural birth um i think she had one of her epidural stopped working at yeah. one point so basically when or yeah my other part. friends were saying their mom had a natural birth because like things were tr- i mean obviously natural birth is great but like you feel the pressure to be like well my mom did it so i have to so i going into it i was like okay i'm gonna try you yes. know i'm gonna try to not get an epidural. I did a lot of classes. And that's the thing of when moms would come into labor and delivery and they'd be like, yeah, I'm going to do it naturally. I don't want an epidural. I'm like, okay, it's your first kid. Did you take any classes? Do any like learning breathing exercises? They're like, no. And I'm like, all right, 99% of the time you're going to end up with an epidural. So you have to really prepare your mind and your body. Because so, you're in so much pain. Yes. So it's, you end up begging for it. Yes, which is what happened to me. I mean, I knew, I figured I would... What happened is I, my water broke, but I wasn't really contracting all that effectively. So we started Pitocin and Pitocin is a a medicine that's really going to make you start contracting Mm -hmm. and it makes your contractions much more intense than if you didn't have any medication at all. Like if Mm -hmm. they were just coming naturally. So I knew that if I was going to have to start Pitocin, I'd probably get an epidural because it's much more intense. So I was laboring all night. I did really well. I got to like six centimeters. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm probably going to want my epidural because it takes like an hour once you say you want it for them to like come and do it. You have to get extra fluid, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So you ran the pregnancy. You were like, okay, we're going to need epidural in five minutes. So (laughs) it's so funny because the nurse I had overnight was clearly a new nurse. Yeah. And then I found out she'd only like been off of orientation for a few months. Do you think they purposely gave you her because you knew what was going on? I think they purposely gave me her because I was just like an uncomplicated pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't have any blood pressure issues, no diabetes, nothing like that. So she was wonderful, but I was really like, but okay. you ripped the baby out of your vagina. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, by the end, I'm like, I'm so sorry I'm bossing you around. Daniel said I'm like, that show you- me the baby's heart rate. I'm like, okay, looks good. And yeah. then she like 
maybe she didn't really know exactly how dilated I was. She'd come out and she'd have to like look at the chart and I'm like, just show me your fingers. And I'd be like, that's six centimeters. She'd walk over to the chart and she'd be like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm like, anyways, but she was wonderful. Yeah, Daniel said you were like pulling on like wires. Yeah, I was just running the show. I was the worst patient. But But I guess like if you've never had a baby before, it's such a crazy, beautiful moment. But you would see people have this crazy, intense life moment as your job yeah yeah did it like make it less exciting mean, it has to be less exciting when you see it happen all the time or was it always just like magnificent i mean honestly like you know some births were much more memorable than others right that i've seen because the babies Um, were cuter (laughs) (laughs) you're like Um, put this kid back but you know you can like easily get in like the the routine of just seeing birth after birth. You after also birth. don't want to get too emotional, yeah. right? Like you don't be too attached, right? Which is hard, but it's yeah. I mean, if you really take a second, like I would have to remind myself, like you just witnessed a new life coming into the world. You can always find like that special moment there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But um, yeah, I. I wasn't going to get an epidural and I, I was not against it. So I got my epidural highly advisable. It was amazing. It was yeah. awesome. Why? Why? I mean, if you're not against it and you're like, why torture yourself? Yeah. You know, I got to six centimeters and then I changed to nine centimeters in 50 minutes. And that's when I went nuts. And Daniel says I bit him. <laughs> I was out of my, I was crazy. Like I was doing so well. I was doing all my breathing. I was really in control. And then those 50 minutes, I was, I was animalistic. It was insane. Also, I shit my whole labor. Oh, I was about to say, because I am naturally a shitter. I love shitting. I love pooping. I poop all the time. You just, your body just gets everything out. Well, people are so worried about shitting during labor. Like who, nobody even, the ner- you, I just wipe it away and we move on and no one says, hey, you just took a shit on the table. Like it's so normal. Also, yeah, like that's not the and, focus. And no it one doesn't cares. happen to everyone. So personally, you usually shit while you're pushing. Yes. Right? Cause it's all the same like motion. Yes. Um, but I didn't. I just shit my entire labor, <laughs> which the labor is not actually the pushing part, right? It's, you know. What, what did Daniel do throughout it? Wow. Well, we got, you know, I thought we were close and it went next level because I'm in the bathroom just shitting and like, <laughs> like, uh, throwing up like it was a lot. And so the good news is, is I shit my whole labor. So I didn't shit on shit during delivery, I guess. That's the positive. But I feel like you have 10 years of training him to like be a caretaker ish. Yeah. Um. It's it's crazy because I feel like. You know, I was worried about him. He's like easily like, oh, my God, blood. (laughs) But he was so wonderful. And he it just like it brought us even closer, you know. Well, yeah, people say if your relationship's not going well, a lot of people have a baby because they think it's going to make them closer, but it actually makes it worse. Well, but then if your relationship is going well and you have a baby, they say it like makes it better. Yeah. I also, when I say they, I feel like I saw it on TikTok. Uh, you're like, someone, <laughs> I'm like kind somewhere. of making it up. It's not the New York Times. I'll tell you that. Well, you know, yeah, honestly, Daniel and I have a really great relationship. So, you know, and we talked a lot. I was like, I expect a lot from you. We did all these videos. <laughs> we did like, you know, exercises. How can you help me when my back hurts? What yeah. should we be doing? And he took it very seriously. So yeah. um, he was like, he was there and he was all in. So that's another thing it's like prepare your partner and let them know your expectations you have to communicate it also you 
said when you got married because you were together for so long you didn't really feel that different mm-hmm. does your relationship feel different now that you've had a baby together yes definitely oh wow i mean and you've had a cat they've had luna for a long time yes our cat baby yeah it didn't <laughs> evolve that much when we got the cat baby but no. now the human babies really elevated things it's just like you know like he knows me on such a a different level all, he's witnessed all my bodily functions and you know had to be there for me while i was healing and you know mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big change in your life so now that you have this baby yeah in your house this living thing i feel like i'm always into the marketing things because women are the, cons- the consumers and they try mm-hmm. to get you scared to buy stuff you know to prevent wrinkles and you know to look tan and and, and then you have a baby and it's like you this how you have the perfect baby what products from a nicu labor nurse what products are bullshit and what products have you bought that you've been like this has really helped make our lives easier okay i'll start with the ones that make our lives easier um this is definitely like you know where my anxious mom's at because i have all the anxious mom's products Mm -hmm. so i have the (laughs) nanic camera which is like you know it is the baby monitor and it can actually monitor their breathing like make sure they're breathing they have these little bands you put on them so if you lay them down in the crib you can always like know that they're breathing and you don't have to like constantly run in and be like are you breathing (laughs) um which i did i I did so i knew that was gonna be me um and then we also have the owlet sock which is kind of um a controversial product but um it's this little sock that you put on there like on their foot and it monitors their heart rate and their oxygen levels mm-hmm. and it basically uses it as like a sleep indicator because mm-hmm. it it's whatever it's amazing though Why because i controversial? could just well before it was much more like almost medical where it would be like your baby's heart rate's dropping or like you you know the oxygen is low mm-hmm. and the fcc was like no you can't this is a medical product so now they market it as like a sleep tool okay but as a nurse you're trusting it Yes, I I love it mm-hmm. um, because a I told you guys anxious moms, mm-hmm. you know this is gonna be this is gonna do it for you. I just talked to a friend who just had a baby. She's like, yeah, I ordered it at two a.m. because I'm not doing this shit anymore. <laughs> I'm like, smart, so smart. <laughs> so those those two things are amazing. Yes. And then the other thing that I love is the snoo. I wish I didn't. We bought it used, so we got it um, for a deal because it's expensive. It's like twelve hundred plus dollars. For this Can you bassinet. explain what a snoo is? A snoo is this bassinet that basically... Can you explain what a bassinet is? <laughs> <laughs> the bassinet is like the crib it that you like use. It sounds like a war weapon. <laughs> it's literally the crib you use for like their first months of life. Because it's like in your room, right next to your bed, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. um, this bassinet is like super high tech and it, it has motion and it, it soothes them. And I thought it only soothed them when they cry, but it doesn't. It like is constantly moving throughout the night. And then mm. when they cry, it moves more and the sound goes higher and um and she freaking loves it but it's crazy because no one had this technology before and kids survived so it's like are they getting accustomed to like always being soothed you know that is you know a fair concern and maybe but honestly so worth it now because you can sleep you're so sleep deprived that you're like i'll do anything (laughs) yeah i don't care we'll deal with the consequences later oh my god but yeah it's funny to see my mom see all these things that she didn't have yes yeah when it comes to the pumping what technology do you like with that so i have the medela pump which i 
I love. Like, it's just a traditional pump. A lot of people say the Spectra is the best, um, but I've always used Medell in the hospital, so that's what I got. Mm. And it's wonderful, and it does, like, really empty your breasts well. Um, but then I ended up getting, um, like, a wireless pump. The Mom Cozy is what it's called, mm. and it's the cheaper one. There's, like, a bunch out there. There's the Willow. There's the LV, and those are, like, $400. This one, I don't know, was 80 for one boob, so I got it, and that is a winner for me because you're not like stuck against the wall all day yeah you run around you go to restaurants yeah so we've been out to eat a few times and you just hear my pump like uh, uh, uh. i'm like yeah when i first heard it i was like she farting like what is going on what products do we not like Mm, what are just like straight up not worth it you know there are things like the Mamaru, which my friend just gave me to use. And it's like 130 bucks and it's this chair and you're only going to use it for a few months and some babies don't even like it. I'm like, what is the point of this? It's a chair? Yeah, it's like this little chair that they sit in and it swings back and forth and has like sound mm-hmm. and some people love it, but mm-hmm. it's just not, it's a nice to have, not a need to have. Yeah. Um, there's other things like I have three different kinds of nursing pillows. Someone I got a lot of like things that were just given to me Mm -hmm. Um, and the my breast friend is the way to go the snuggle me sucks the boppy I don't really know its purpose but um, yeah you heard it here first folks forget the boppy (laughs) you know when that boppy the boppy was useful to me in the first days because it is basically a pillow with a hole in it Mm -hmm. and I brought it to the hospital because your coochie hurts so bad Mm -hmm. so sore Mm -hmm. so bruised and I sat on it because, you know, there's a hole in the middle and then there's no pressure on your lady parts. Oh, my God. Do you ice your vagina? Yes. People a don't lot. talk about that. Okay. So postpartum, <laughs> it's a lot. Okay. It's, if you have a vaginal delivery, it it hurts down there. And I was so fortunate because I did not tear. And I thought for sure I was going to tear because most first moms, you know, have some sort of tearing. And mm-hmm. honestly, like, you know, a first degree tear, a second degree tear, you're going to be fine. Like things will heal. Don't worry about it too much. Um, it's just going to be freaking sore. So um, it's a whole process every time you get up and go to the bathroom. You got to get your new underwear, probably that, you know, like the pair, the pair uh, net underwear that they give you at the hospital. Oh, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> yeah. So they give you net underwear, basically. They're disposable. And then you and have your giant you pad. And they sew you up in the hospital like a little surgery. It's. It's like, okay, blah, blah, blah. You push the baby out. You birth the placenta. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about that part. Eat it. Yeah. Then you, um, someone fries it up for you and you <laughs> eat it real quick. Chicken fried placenta. And then, um, and then after that happens, they check your vagina for any like tears. And then they When they sew say it up. tear, do they mean like by your perineum? Like yeah. to your butthole? Like that is severe. I've never seen that happen in yeah. any of my deliveries. Yeah. Like to go like the th- I rarely saw a third degree. Right. That's but the second too. baby because you've been kind of torn a little. It goes better. Well, not necessarily because you've been torn, but because your first baby kind of like paved the way and your <laughs> vagina knows what to do a little more. Come hither. Yeah. By like if you're having like a shit ton of babies, the, they eventually just like slip right out. Mm-hmm. So. I also want to know the f- I've been watching you um, nurse the baby and it's such like a beautiful thing. Like you're mm-hmm. literally feeding the baby from you don't need any you need no, don't need no mans. <laughs> I don't need no mans. I'm like, what do you even do here? You don't need to call Uber Eats. You got it right there. What is that feeling of actually being the reason this baby is alive? Okay, so now that she's almost 
five weeks, right? It's so different because I will tell you, breastfeeding sucks at first. Yeah, it's hard for them to latch. I feel like it happens with every baby. As a nurse, you're always taught like, you know, it shouldn't be painful if the latch is right. It shouldn't be painful. And it's like, okay, I've never had anything suck on my tits for an hour straight. Yeah, because this is the first time you've actually experienced it and you've been just told what to tell people. Yeah, and I've just been there, you know, helping the baby latch, whatever. And it's like, okay, so I look at my baby initially. I'm breastfeeding. She gets right on. It's great. Like, she has a good latch. But then my nipples are, like, raw, right? Mm -hmm. She spent, like, freaking an hour initially just sucking on my nipples when nothing's really coming out. And it hurts so bad. So that's the thing I wasn't expecting as much. I knew breastfeeding was going to be hard, but I just didn't expect that pain. Do you, do you think you've lost sensitivity in your nipples? I guess. Yeah. Because now, now that we got through those initial like two weeks, which were really freaking hard in terms of breastfeeding. Um, now it's just easy. I just whip it out. And what if you do, what do you do if you have a nipple piercing? I guess you have to take it out. I honestly don't know the answer. Because that was like really in a year ago. Everyone was getting their nipples pierced. I would have probably advised to take it out because that would honestly that would hurt so badly. Your baby sucking on your nipple piercing. Oh my god! Finally, you know, postpartum depression is seems like way more common. Absolutely. Well, it's way more talked about nowadays. What do you think is the cause of it? Um. And what has your experience been emotionally since having the baby? So in terms of, you know, the postpartum time, right? Your hormones are just crazy. Like uh, there's times where you feel insane. Like after I had the baby, I definitely had some postpartum insomnia. I just like wasn't sleeping. And even when the baby was sleeping at night, I was just laying there like with my eyes wide open. Like, okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to sleep now. Uh Oh, oh, Lois is coming in to say hi. Okay. okay, we're almost done. How's she doing? Okay, perfect. Okay, Lois is still kicking. <laughs> so Your mom is the best. <laughs> so sad for her to leave. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, you were in postpartum insomnia. I never heard of that. Yeah, I didn't really ever think about it. And then I was, you know, I had the baby and I'm like, oh shit, I only slept like collectively three hours last night. And here we go. Another it day. Al- it's almost like you have adrenaline because you're it like, holy is, yeah. fuck, I, I have a child. It's adrenaline. Your hormones are all out of whack. Um, there's just like a lot of things postpartum that you don't necessarily think about. The other thing is postpartum depression. Yes. But also postpartum anxiety. Mm. That is a big thing. Um, that, you know, I was nervous to have because I, I, I have anxiety already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really fortunate in that I didn't really have it, you know, too much. It it's was just like nothing more than my baseline. You intrusive know? thoughts and just yeah, like yeah. more fear. And yeah, of course. You like have that. this new baby and you don't know, you know, as a new mom, everything's kind of just like what's happening. Um, so those are things that I was like very cautious about um, for myself, postpartum anxiety. And then, you know, a lot of women just get the baby blues where you're just kind of like sad for a few weeks and then it goes away. The baby blues. Yeah, it's interesting because I wonder how much is hormonal and how much is also like you th- you were so excited to have the baby or you weren't even <laughs> excited. Yeah. You have a baby and then you realize, fuck, I have a baby and my life is different. And I don't know if I like that change or like, oh, I thought this was going to change me as a person and I'm the same person. Right. So the expectations are you're going to have this baby and you're going to bond with it and it's going to be amazing. And, you know, you have a new purpose. Yes. Life exactly. Makes and sense you should now. just love them 
right away and feel so connected to them, blah, blah, blah. And that is not everyone's experience. I have friends who have gone through it and it's like, you know, they come out and it's hard because you have to be honest. You have to say, I am not, you know, connecting with my baby how I thought I was. And I'm also mm. just like not very happy, even though this is supposed to be a very happy time in my life. Mm-hmm. And the combination of your hormones, you know, out of whack and the sleep deprivation, it's like, obvi- like it makes sense why it happens, yes. you know, why people feel that way. Yes. And it's just like, it's so important to talk about it with, you know, I have, you know, a you know few people in my life where i could just be like yes this is happening and this Mm -hmm. is how i feel and obviously daniel is one of them and Mm -hmm. he we talked about it before i gave birth and i told him all about it we watched a video and where he i'm like you as the partner need to be aware of what it looks like so that if i'm experiencing it you can you know call it out and also help me to get the help that i need yeah but i was very fortunate i did not really have any postpartum depression there were moments after birth in the initial weeks where i would just like have meltdowns Mm. major meltdowns and daniel would be like okay go to sleep now and then i'd wake up and i'd be like okay i'm a new person (laughs) amazing so as of right now how's your mental health and do you have any advice for people after going through a big life event like a baby on how to stay kind of in your in your confidence in your calmness yeah well it's interesting because i just was telling you earlier how i feel even more confident now that i've had a yeah. baby which i was not like totally expecting so i mean it was just crazy to see my body do what it did yeah. you know i birthed a whole freaking human out of my coochie mm-hmm. like i was impressed with myself <laughs> and then you know a few days later i'm like out on a walk and i'm like wow my body is freaking amazing mm-hmm. and you know with your partner you really can like just f- like feel an even more intense love with them so i just felt like confident with that because my partner's like you know you're amazing and you look awesome and mm-hmm. you did such a great thing and you're proud and, yeah and you're proud of it and then it's just it's just you know, a really surreal experience. But in terms of my own mental health, I I think about this all the time because we lived in New York, right? And we mm-hmm. just moved to Indiana like two years ago near my family and friends and whatever. And I honestly think if I had the baby in New York, I would be depressed because <laughs> I, I just feel like... You know, I have so much support here. Yeah. And even someone coming over so I could sleep for two hours makes the world of a difference mm-hmm. in my day and my mood and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So like... I I'm just so fortunate and I know that not everyone has that support not everyone you know has you know the luxury of living in their hometown surrounded by all these people Mm -hmm. but I've been I've been doing pretty well and I also think like thinking about it so much beforehand I was kind of prepared to you know deal with any sorts of mental things that came up oh I love this so much what a beautiful moment in time. I can't wait to listen to this podcast in the future when she's like <laughs> 10 Lois years old older. and mommy's talking about her coochie. But Jeannie, you also are going to start TikToking. I'm oh, holding yes. you accountable right now. Oh, so now I got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> A little more talk live. Yeah. Where can people follow you on TikTok? Okay. So right now my TikTok is Mama Jeannie D. J E A N I E. Good job. <laughs> 
I feel like I had it in my phone wrong. For You've so only long. like known me for ten years. I'm glad you spell <laughs> my name. Uh, that's great. I uh, thought it had two ends yeah, for a so long time. Basically, well, we were talking. Hannah is basically my strategist, um, and just like you know, doing reviews on uh, on baby items and mom items, and you know, just talking about like really talking about what labor, birth, postpartum, newborn life is like. I'm obsessed. And I think like the little devils are going to love to hear all you have to say. The no bullshit nurse. Yes. Well, thank you for having me on here. It was it was fun, you know, to talk about it and just like make sure people know that pregnancy, labor and the postpartum life is not, you know, what you always see on social media. It's not this glamorous thing or like the movies where they joke like you have a baby and the next thing you know she's just in overalls like building a house yeah yeah (laughs) and you don't have to lose yourself like I'm very much like I still feel a very strong sense of self even though like now I know a big part of my identity is also being a mom yes oh it's beautiful well thanks so much Jeannie next up we're gonna wrap this up with the man of the hour Daniel (laughs) (laughs) the man the myth the legend Oh my gosh. So I've hidden my brother for a long time. Let's give a warm welcome to Daniel Burner. Hello. Welcome to the dark depths of hell. Daniel has always been the more mature, logical, intelligent child of the group. And we just had dinner and you said something very insightful about confidence. Yeah. Um, well, th- first <laughs> off, thanks for having me. <laughs> Start off hot. Start I'm like, what's hot. the secret to happiness? Yeah, uh, this is a bold first impression, but <laughs> you know, I was thinking about confidence. What what does it mean to to be confident? How does somebody gain confidence? Mm-hmm. And I thought the way to build confidence is to achieve things that you did not think you could achieve. Wow! Write fucking mind, notes, people. Take out your notepad. Mind blown. That was heavy. But it also reminds me of when people say, like, don't take a job that you're qualified for. Yeah. Because then how do you move up and grow and learn? And I do think, yeah, it comes with anything, whether you're playing a sport, whether it's dating, whether it's your job. There are a lot of single ladies listening in their 20s. And as a man who just got married... (laughs) 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 I can't remember the last time you were dating... Ten years ago. Ten years ago. First of all, how did you know? Y- you know what? Th- bringing this to to the single ladies, um, we opened with confidence, but I would say confidence is one of, if not the most attractive things. Yes. Uh, a person could have, and you know, look, this this is all subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what stood out to me about my wife when I was courting her uh, <laughs> in college. <laughs> when you were trying to get her to take pickleback shots at Mondays in yeah. Madison? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you were at a happens? frat party being like, you're cute. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, confidence is, is, is important. But I understand that. I think especially in college, it's really hard to build confidence because it's like, there's not many ways to differentiate yourself. Like I imagine being surrounded by like a thousand other people similar to me. And we're all trying to do similar things. Yeah. And it's like. You're all hard pretty to, confused. Yeah. And you're all pretty confused. But it's hard to be like, wait, what? Like what's my com- 
competitive advantage that sounds like very very well it's basically people just like feeling each other's energies but that's where girls can get insecure especially nowadays with the physicality of stuff you know changing their face being obsessed with their weight and all this stuff because they're trying to yeah differentiate themselves or keep up but i do think that you're so right if you can find confidence and comfortability in the skin you're in you see that forever that stays forever yeah that's tough you know i don't know about the like it also depends like what type of guys you're trying to attract true like i think real attracts real like don't go changing your face one i don't even know what that means really but (laughs) i feel like i i've seen people and you know like you change your face you can see it on your face (laughs) (laughs) you're right what you do and the energy and decisions you make it's not a coincidence who then starts talking to you it's like when i bleached my hair blonde that one year yeah not that it's bad to go blonde but it was a very bad blonde job i got some weird attention that year from people who (laughs) I blocked. Um, I wanted to bring you on. Obviously, your dad and stuff, but like, let's be honest, you haven't done much. Um, <laughs> we just had Jeannie on. But I have this man on the street thing that I do on TikTok. Daniel doesn't even know I do it. But I talk to guys about random questions, and I want to get your answers. Let's do it. What is your skincare routine? Um, I'll go like three days without showering. <laughs> and then like... My face will be really greasy, so I like, <laughs> use a bunch of fucking. Oh, excuse me. Is this a, you can curse? Uh, <laughs> a bunch of a uh, cleanser, and then my face will be really dry. So then I throw a bunch of moisturizer on it after. So it's like heavy cleanse, heavy moisturize every three days or so. There's also funny videos of girls imitating how guys put on moisturizer. How you literally just like slap it on your face and just oh, rub. It's very violent. Same with sunscreen. <laughs> so it's yeah. like. This isn't, I'm not doing an art project. Like the goal, the objective is to get it everywhere. <laughs> fast or like possible. how guys put on chapstick, like you hold it like a fist and you just like go back and forth as fast as you can. Chapstick's important. Um, do you believe in horoscopes? Um, no. The, the, you guys, this is how different Dale and I are. <laughs> um, do you know what a vulva is? I believe it is part of the anatomy of a vagina (laughs) (laughs) men can never say the word vagina without going vagina um what's your favorite makeup look on a woman minimal if i showed you a photo of a girl would you be able to tell if she has minimal makeup on or a lot of makeup on honestly i feel like i could tell but there might be some girls who who are like at the peak of like the meta makeup game where mm. you're so good at it the that no it makeup doesn't look, look like you have makeup yeah but i mean nothing is less attractive than a girl with caked on makeup or like noticeable makeup yep um name a kardashian um kim good i got it <laughs> i did one i want to literally I just watch the uh genius documentary oh what is that a kanye Oh, yeah. What'd you think of the Kanye doc? It was pretty wild. I mean, the whole through the wire story, I didn't know. Yeah, it was really cool. It's just like bad timing to have like such good PR with the documentary while he's um, losing his mind online. Yeah. I do want to do a video where I show you celebrities. Who's a celebrity you didn't know yesterday? I don't know. I said like (laughs) (laughs) Johnny Depp and he didn't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Do you know the definition of gaslighting? 
Uh, I believe so. Do you want me to try to define it? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's when you're trying to get someone to believe your version of the truth when like you know your version of truth is a lie. Wow. That was good. And you make them feel crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. I don't think dad knows the definition. Um, what's a diva cup? Oh shit. I feel like I know this. <laughs> um, is it like instead of it's in the genre of feminine products? Yeah. Right. Okay. Where like tampon goes in pad is against diva cups. Just like floating outside catching the, the drippings. It's close. I think you. I think you put the cup in. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I don't that, know how I dude, that answer was so much better. I'm so proud of you right now, you guys. My brother Hmot. Um, <laughs> literally, the answers I got. You have no idea. Um, someone was like, <laughs> a cup that divas drink out of. Um, what do guys talk about when they're together? <laughs> uh, golf, Lord of the Rings. Um whiskey can you explain mansplaining to me without mansplaining it you wouldn't understand <laughs> that was good um how do you feel about girls farting in front of you if it's not my wife don't do that shit <laughs> so your wife's allowed to yeah <laughs> we were just talking about genie's like the only person you actually like <laughs> who do you like more me or genie next question <laughs> <laughs> okay this is a good one how many tampons does a woman use when she's on her period <laughs> well it depends are we talking heavy flow or slim and light whoa yo i've been married i've been living with my wife for many <laughs> years now <laughs> sometimes we're like two and I'm like, for what? But, but honestly, like, I guess I don't, like, I don't know. I imagine it's a, imagine it's a range. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go somewhere between like ten and twenty. Do you, unless you need a more specific answer. No, that was actually good. Okay. Um, how do you pee when you have a tampon in? Whew. Um, this one, honestly, I would say I'm not a hundred percent certain. <laughs> But you were but, doing so well. But I'm uh, I'm gonna go with ninety percent certainty, right? You see, everyone, uh, the urethra is not the vagina, and I'm pretty sure that the urethra can function if if the vagina's got a tampon in it. So oh. I think that it's just like a non-issue is my hypothesis. Okay, so we just proved that my brother is next level. Um, too bad he's taken, guys. I'm so sorry he's taken, <laughs> but he is n <laughs> he is a premium man. He got all the answers right. Oh, now sick. you know why my standards were so high and how I just would black out and date stupid men because I never thought I could meet someone who was good enough for me. Um, Do I win a prize? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. No, now, oh my gosh. But Daniel, how is life without social media? Um. I have to think back to life when I had social media. This would be like eight years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, 2013 or something like that, 2014. And my memory of it is just like now 
or when when I got rid of it, my life was so much simpler. When you when you're not on social media, the only thing the thoughts that occupy your mind are the things that are in front of you that need your attention to get through your day or to get mm. through your life. Mm-hmm. So like my thoughts are just about me and my house and my wife and my kids well yeah and you're in your physical world and, and you're not it. dealing with like a meta world that's also going on and i'm and honestly like props to people trying to get through life on hard mode on social media because it's overwhelming mm-hmm. you know still with just like what's actually in front of you and what actually matters and what's on your plate mm-hmm. so all y'all wearing <laughs> ankle weights trying to get through it mm-hmm. like while also hemorrhaging your mind with this like it's uh, definitely not sounds hard natural no that's a great point to be dealing with like a meta universe really and then the real universe which we don't understand either well the the reason why it's so harmful is the reason why it's so successful and the behavioral scientists and psychologists and engineers who created these platforms are playing off of the human desire to be socially accepted because we're, we're social creatures, right? Mm-hmm. So like our brains have desired to, to want to be part of communities and be accepted. And it was really advantageous when we had small communities and being accepted into them was the difference between life and death, the difference between you finding shelter and food and, and like being yeah, accepted in your community. But then when you explode that to, instead of a tribe of 30 people to a globe of six billion um those same receptors that like those same tendencies that kept you safe and alive and thriving are now completely overloaded and you just have no shot to be part of all these i don't know communities are feeling accepted or feeling together and not alone it's kind of like went overboard and came out the other end and had the reverse effect of but I don't know. This is my opinion on the outside looking in. I might, I might be like out of the loop. Well, no, you gave me pretty good advice when I was going through stuff, tough stuff online. And you were like, by the way, like scientifically, like your brain's not supposed to be able to handle this. And like, (laughs) it's, it's not normal. And this is an actual human reaction you're having to something that's like really not okay for our brains to even be trying to understand. I also, I, you love (laughs) sorry we just said mexican you love being philosophical and like you just saw something made from you enter the world your dad how has it changed your philosophy on our existence (laughs) we don't do small talk here um can i i think the biggest takeaway from this was from the experience of having a child as a man was like up until this point like I saw my wife as like an equal, like a partner, like we're both humans, Mm -hmm. right? We're capable of similar things. But seeing that life come out of her, I'm like, whoa, like I am, I'm not capable of that. Like what the (laughs) heck did I, like, and it it was like so crazy to, to think like, wow, like, that is one that's like how our species exists (laughs) so it must be normal it must be what could be more natural right than 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 procreation but it was like 
holy crap like every woman could do that or like women are supposed to be able to do that like that's insane Mm -hmm. because it's such a uh i don't know monumental task Mm -hmm. uh but my my philosophy on life is just i kind of saw like the the realness of it and the reality of it is like it's women going through this (laughs) and making people like women make people Uh, you're a feminist icon you truly are final question that i ask all interviewees at the end of every episode is when you're going through hell when things are dark when life is hard what advice do you have to cope with it watch a world war ii documentary (laughs) (laughs) yeah done next question can you extrapolate on that (laughs) yeah like i love i love belittling my problems it's actually one of the most relaxing therapeutic humbling experiences Mm. right you need to contextualize your problems to the universe Mm. right like you can go down your rabbit hole of everything that's happening to me is so bad and it's the worst thing that's happened to me and i and i can't deal with it yeah but watching a world war ii documentary makes you realize that i mean I don't want to speak for everybody, but in my times of strife, I wasn't fighting for my life. I wasn't fighting for people's lives next to me mm-hmm. or, or entire, you know, sex of people. Like, mm-hmm. so it, I always found, and, and honestly, it's like, perspective. yeah, it's perspective. And even my wife, like, I'll like complain about work and she'll be like, I saw a baby die in the NICU last night. And I'd be like, oh, I feel so much better now. well it's kind of when people are like why do you watch so many murder documentaries i'm like to remind myself my day could have been worse yeah and and i don't want people to be like yeah but like everybody's going through it you know don't like don't belittle people's problems and 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 you could feel like that i'm just saying for me i like the feeling of belittling my problems because i know my problems are bullshit but Mm -hmm. sometimes i forget because i'm too absorbed in my own life but we're related i don't know if you do this too but sometimes when i'm going through something hard I look around and I really do think that everyone's life is better than mine. Like, really? Like I th- well, not better, but I think that everyone, no one has the heaviness that I have. <laughs> oh, like <laughs> that? Your like problems are- my problems are like so fucked up, and like yeah. everyone else just seems pretty happy, and like I, I really skew my brain to be like I'm so fucked up, and like whatever. But then, yeah, getting out of your own head, talking to people talking to people is what gets me out of my like intrusive thoughts or like you're lying to yourself well like you for sure don't want to like brush issues under the rug like if you know you're going through something and you need help don't just be like try to convince yourself it's not something if you know it is yeah i'm fortunate enough i think that i i'm not dealing with anything like that and and anything that i get tripped up on is just me lacking perspective and it's bullshit yeah and that's how a lot of things start and if you don't allow yourself to speak kindly to yourself or find perspective it can get worse so wow dana that was really good advice now i would i would say go follow him on social media but he doesn't have any um so just send him positive energy (laughs) good vibes to a new dad in this world and we love you daniel peace out